0: Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. a bonus sixth episode for you guys. That's right. We're going deep this week. We might even get to seven. I don't know. We're, we're, we're kind of feeling ourselves right now, even if the Knicks aren't feeling too good about their play of late. But this is part two of our Fan Friday, where you guys get to come on and share your opinions and have a conversation with us. Alex, what do we get into today?
1: Yeah, today, well, the second part, we talk about... RJ Barrett and sort of his perception by the fan base around the league, you know, if playing for these Knicks, this sort of pseudo rebuilding Knicks, that's not quite a contender, but not quite like a lottery team yet has sort of made the perception of him just kind of weird. Uh, so we we get into that a little bit and kind of try to break down what it is that makes it that RJ gets covered the way that he does sort of and, and how he's viewed around the league. And then we finish off with The age-old discussion of would we trade Julius Randle for X, Y, or Z. Uh, My general answer is I don't really want to trade him for much of anything. You have a little more open-minded stance. And that that one was all spurred on by the chat during the locker room. So we kind of go over some live messages that are coming in from the chat, including someone who may or may not be your burner account. So we get into that in this final Fan Friday edition of Locked on Knicks. You are locked on Knicks your daily New York Knicks podcast,
0: part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing from the way Yes. the X. left. Now fires a three. He's good. And he's fouled. He's tough. And he's he out. Oh. Anthony for three.
0: All right, you are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times, which are hopefully, prayfully, that's not even a word, I'm making it a word, Um nearing nearing its end. I actually, Alex, announcement on the pod. I I had my first broadcast assignment uh for a post-COVID or personal uh post-vaccinated world uh in early May. Really excited about that. No one cares though. He's Alex Wolf, the editor in chief of the Strickland, a website a lot of people care about. Uh the best Knicks website out there. Go go throw them a follow um, on any social media that you're on when you get a chance to go, go read some of the articles because they have a lot of great writers, a lot of whom you have on this podcast, but that's a conversation for another day because we are getting back into fan Friday, your questions right now on lockdown. Knicks. And I'm going to bring up, I believe we got a couple speaker requests. I believe uh, Brent Machia was first. Uh, Brent, you're up. How's it going, man?
2: Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, 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 we got you.
2: Yeah. I really wanted to just talk about like, how RJ and because we had a lot of talk about how he's not respected in the media and all that 25 under 25 thing and I think the main reason around is just because just perception and just how slightly because of the way the roster has been constructed but also because of just his own development he's not been the player he's pretty much we expected him to be off college but in a positive way like we coming in we expecting him you know Maple Mamba be an alpha scorer really primary guy not really used to playing off ball but his adjustment into being like a secondary or even a tertiary guy that has helped them has helped us as a team but it's kind of hurt his stock because those guys like that if they're not on like a championship level team those guys that do the little things aren't really uh valued as high or at least talked about as much
1: yeah yeah i mean i i agree i I do think that just his general style of play leads to him being really undervalued i mean if you want to if you want to talk about you know his level of play that kind of goes unnoticed one of our um one of our guys that does the nba uh locked on nba draft podcast mavs draft uh on on twitter that obviously came up you know mostly looking at things from a mavs perspective even said yesterday like I don't see a lot of people on Twitter talking about RJ Barrett shooting six of six from three tonight and doing what he just did, and in general what he's doing this season. And that just sort of speaks to like this general thing where he has a, a, this sort of game that gets underrated by general NBA pundits because he's not like he's not Zion jumping out of the gym, he's not um, you know whoever, whatever other young star John Morant, you know, making flashy passes and like I love,
2: but his game is stuff. ugly, relatively like. Well, it's, yeah, it's he has an old minute.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I mean he plays like he plays like, you know, a, a, a juiced up version of like late career Vince Carter. You know what I mean? Like it, he doesn't play super vertical. You know, he can still dunk it from time to time if he has to, but it's usually just like in transition. Um, which I actually think is smart. I think that preserves guys' legs and makes it so they can play these high minute loads if you're not constantly leaping and falling onto your you know, onto your legs and you know, having to hit the deck all the time, you know, I I think that is part of why RJ's been so good with these high minute totals this year, is the fact that he plays a pretty ground-bound game for a wing, Um, but yeah, I'm with you, like, I think that he definitely goes underappreciated, even by Nick's fandom to some degree, I'm sure, you know, I I think that he's, he has all the looks right now of a potential future all-star, but he's kind of going to be more of, like, it seems like maybe the Chris Middleton type of all-star where he just scores efficiently, does all the little things, passes well, defends well, you know, and gets his recognition a few times going into the all-star game, but by and large is kind of underappreciated or maybe even like a Mike Conley type is sort of a, a a good archetype as the the guy who went underappreciated for so long that he just made his first all-star appearance despite having so many standout seasons. So, yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with you, man. Like, I think that I think RJ does get it, it. Like, in many ways, he he's underappreciated. And I guess to your point about him not necessarily being like the being more of like a finishing piece type of guy than a than a guy that you like build the entire team around in a way, um, or at least as far as him getting recognition. I, I sort of agree, but I also think like I, I think he'll he'll have a place on any NBA team he wants for the rest of his career. Hopefully, it's the Knicks. Um, cause I think he's going to have a game that's going to age beautifully and I, maybe people will gain more appreciation for how he plays over the years. And once the Knicks kind of take that next step up, then maybe he'll start getting that recognition from, you know, the national media and even some of the local media for just how good he is. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, I was
0: someone early in his career who, who, I mean, I, I mean, even, even this off season, um, some, some people consider it slanderous. Like when we had, a. Uh, our guy uh, Nate Duncan, on uh, fellow fellow Locked On host, and and he was kind of saying like, all right, what what does RJ really do at an elite level? And I I was kind of like, yeah, you know, you're you're right. Like he, I mean, at this point, there's not really anything, and he's still he's still super young. And then Nate kind of cut in and was like, okay, but like where where like what's the avenue for him to start him? How does he get there? And I was like, you know, like the one the one thing you would kind of bank on is that he does have a elite work ethic. So um, if, if you look at like a, a Jimmy Butler or or Jalen Brown trajectory in terms of wings who came into the league i mean maybe jalen's not even a a great example because jalen was such an elite athlete if nothing else and and maybe butler's the best comparison for the guy who's both not an elite athlete and not an elite shooter and you look at someone and you just say those two things about them and in your mind you're kind of like all right that guy is like that that's that's a long road ahead right because most people most people get better at shooting when they're in the league most people don't make massive massive jumps and rj was a disaster last year he was a disaster at the start of this year. It's hard to remember now, but he had that what was it like a two for forty one, yeah, like one for forty one stretch. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was and it, it was it was insane. And it went on for like six or seven games, and you're like, oh man, this isn't even. It, it's not like he's like a bad below league average shooter right now. He's like the worst like shooter who plays significant minutes in the NBA or or in that in that conversation. And, and to go from that to someone who over his last forty games, I think, has shot forty six percent from three. Is the stat? It's it's completely insane. And, and there's this perception in the NBA that um, the the guys that go undervalued are are the small market guys, right? Which I, I don't really I think was true ten years ago. Certainly true twenty thirty years ago. Not really true today with, with league pass and, and just how how much of a niche audience there is for for every single team in the league. And and I think because for so long Knicks players were kind of inherently overrated or, or given too much attention. At any any time, like someone had had one good game for the Knicks, like you, you'd immediately hear people be I mean, I mean, look at the, the Jeremy Lin saga. And obviously there was a lot more going on there. Um, but that was kind of the perfect example of it. Someone who had like an eight game hot stretch and became like a, a national like like the number one story in sports was on on the cover of Sports Illustrated two straight weeks, which has almost never happened. Um, and now you have someone like RJ who is doing it in a in a more um, sustainable way. And somehow no one's talking about it. And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, Brent, in terms of the aesthetics of his game and how he's, he's not really a fun guy to watch. And I think, I think the other thing is I, I don't necessarily think people appreciate what he's been doing as a, as a three point shooter because so many of the shots are catch and shoot looks. So they don't, they don't look all that spectacular. And his form still isn't like, it, it's very functional at this point, but it still doesn't look like, Oh man, that's, that, that's a jump shot. It's not like when you watch Clay Thompson and every shot that goes up, you're like, what? wet, wet, but it's getting to that point where it's, it, it feels like when he, when he's on the wing, Alex, you said it last night, it feels like automatic when he can, because he's so on balance every time, even if it's not your, your sort of picturesque jump shot, it's looking good. And I, I I said it on Twitter, the one he hit up against the Nets, like one dribble left wing right in, that was, that was gorgeous. (laughs) That, 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 that's what you want to see. So I think he's, he's increasingly moving in that direction. And, and I guess before I finish, just to circle back to my original point, um, he he does feel like he's on that, that Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown trajectory of like, this guy is such a hard worker that he he was always going to figure, and, and is so smart on top of it, is he was going to figure out every single one of his weaknesses and maximize every single skill. But, but the, the trajectory trajectory's on right now, he, even amongst guys like that, like remember, Jimmy Butler came into the league two years older than RG is now, it, it's abnormal how quickly he's figuring out the shooting component. And and that makes that, that's why I caution people a little bit uh, on believing like, all right, he's he's automatically a 40 percent three point shooter for the rest of his career. Like, let's see it on more attempts on a higher degree of difficulty shots. But the fact that he's he's you can you can pretty definitively say, you know, what? I think the baseline for him at this point is being a league average shooter. That's that's a big a big effing deal. But that, that 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 means a lot. So
2: I'll I'll throw it back to you, Brent, to finish up. But that's kind of my thoughts on RJ. Yeah, uh, it, RJ's development really has me thinking about like again going back to the draft about how we perceive players versus how they actually end up being in the league. And again, a lot of analysts talk about oh, this a good dis- uh, situation for development versus this a bad situation for de- development when it comes to players, and. I feel if RJ keeps up this progression, I feel we have to relook about what what situation is, quote unquote, good for different types of guys. Like, for example, the first season, we are always talking about how the negative spacing and how that was affecting his numbers and efficiency. And again, he still struggled with efficiency overall. But I feel that in this situation, it's kind of feast or famine just figuring out during these lack of spacing lineups has kind of actually helped his game in terms of understanding that this isn't Duke. You can't be the number one guy all the time. You got to learn how to play off of players, even though those players are imperfect. perfect. And again, if he keeps up this level of play, he'll just be so much better. He'll be so much better off playing with another high level player, even better than Julius Randle. And, and just how, what's the word for it? championship equity, how a player like him will have, Versus him being in a situation where it'll be a little bit easier, where he can just pound the ball and and debatably be an empty stats guy or be in that type of archetype of player.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hear that. It's uh, it's it's certainly going to be interesting to see how his development goes. I would say that I'm probably in the camp like Gavin was just saying, like, we got to see more. I'm like. I mean, yes, my rational part of my brain says we got to see more, but my irrational part is like, damn, man, his shot looks really good. Like, I think I'm ready to buy in at this point. Um, so I, I guess we'll see how things go as far as his development and, and you know, where he gets in his career. But I, I'm really excited to see where it goes at this point because I think to to Gavin's point, which we were talking about, you know, a minute ago and we've talked about on the show before, his work ethic is unmatched. So I i have, you know, 100% faith that at minimum RJ is going to get as high as he can possibly get in this league because he just won't let himself do anything less than that. So I'm uh I'm excited to see where that ultimately takes him. But uh Brent, thanks man. Thanks for the, the question, and everything. In the interest of time we're gonna we're gonna move to the, the next person. But uh did you have social media or anything you wanted to promote before we send you off to?
2: Nah, I have a Twitter, but it's mainly just angry basketball tapes and s sw- swin like rants. So I'm fine isn't that all to yeah isn't i was gonna say that, that, that 40 40 that's 40 40 our target 40.
0: audience Brent. That's, that's what the people want
2: i <laughs> uh, appreciate it guys yeah all
0: right all right we'll talk to you later man uh really really
1: appreciate it all right uh also, before next... we gab before we get our next person up shout out to everybody in here man like this is i think the most people that we've had in one of our yeah. rooms yet we got 10 people that's awesome
0: Oh no, so, definitely. I'm, I'm keeping up
1: with the chat. There's a whole debate
0: on the side about maybe trading Julius Randle for some picks. It's
1: it's good. That, that's, a, that's a lively
0: community. Um Did you so, start that with your burner, Gavin? Be honest. Yeah, I I don't I don't wanna I, I can neither confirm nor deny. All right, we're gonna okay. bring up uh Adam Feeney. Uh Adam, you're on, man. How's it going? Adam, you there? I know I, I feel bad when people request to speak like twenty minutes before I get them up, and then like the second of all, it's like, all right, Adam, you got five seconds.
1: Uh, yeah, Adam might not be here, so I'm. Um, we'll, we'll come back to him a little bit later. Adam, feel free to get back in line, or if you're having technical difficulties, just restart the app. That usually works for me.
0: All right. Um. Yeah. And um, we actually don't have any other speaker requests right now. So Alex, if we if, if we want to, we can we can address uh the the <laughs> the, the, the conversation going on for my burner. Account.
1: Oh man, Carl just admitted Car- <laughs> Carl Boyum in the uh in the chat says, my name is Gavin and I really want the picks.
0: No, no.
1: Oh God. <laughs> uh, my multiple personality is getting the best of me again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, so, okay. I, I get the argument for that in a way, but I think there is really like, I would need some sort of assurances about just how high those picks are going to be. Right. Like it would have to be like golden state panicking, you know, gives the Knicks w- either their own pick or the uh, Timberwolves pick, like maybe whichever one ends up higher after the lottery or whatever. I mean, it would have to be some sort of extenuating circumstance like that for me to even entertain trading Randall at this point. I can get like, you know, yeah, the the top four or five players in this draft are awesome. Like if you get a top three pick, you can get like, you know, Cunningham or Mobley or Suggs who all seem like potential franchise changers. But it, the operative word there is could. You know what I mean? And Randall this year has already proven at a somewhat young age, like 26 years old. He's just, you know, he's maybe right now on the cusp of his prime. Um, I I, I think that the operative word is could with the draft. It's like this could happen if you draft this person. But the reality is, is that the Knicks have a actual star on the team right now named Julius Randall. And so, you know, do you want to trade the first surefire all-star that I would, I would almost borderline call like, you can't 100% say, but he's like about as close to like a, a homegrown all-star with staying power, I guess would be my qualifier there since we once thought that that was Porzingis. But, um, you know, that he's really like come into form with the Knicks and, and to kind of ship him off one what is the message that that sends to other players around the league about how the Knicks view and treat their players 2 you're trading him for a chance. You know, you're trading him for this guy might be able to do this in the NBA, but what if Evan Mobley, you know, what if you get Evan Mobley and he never puts on, uh, 30 pounds of muscle, you know, what if he gets pushed around his whole career and, you know, ends up being inefficient and everything else is a result. What if, uh, Suggs, his jumper never comes around and his athleticism isn't isn't enough as it turns out to completely overpower teams in the NBA. Like what if you end up with a a situation where now you just traded Julius Randle for like this year's John Morant, who I don't get me wrong, still has plenty of upside, but like what if Suggs is just a twenty something percent three point shooter who's hyper athletic and a pretty good passer and never (laughs) quite, you know, becomes a true like perennial all-star type player so there's just a lot of ifs i don't know and that's why i kind of feel like i'd I'd rather hold on to randall and that's kind of been my my stance for a while um but yeah and and people are pointing out in the in the comments now too like randall has one more year on a very affordable contract too which is also the truth like he has a a just over 20 million dollar now final year option which is a steal for next season um so yeah, there's, there's like a lot of factors at play, but I just, I don't, really, <laughs> Alex just described Sharif Cooper. I did. Yeah, kind of. Um, which is a guy that the Knicks could get without trading Julius Randle potentially. So why not just draft Sharif Cooper with one of those two picks in the first round you already have or trade up maybe into the top 10 with two picks in the teens, which is not unprecedented in recent years with the draft. So Gavin, sorry. I've been, I've been ranting and rambling, but feel free to offer your, uh, take on that
0: <laughs> well I, I already did under my pseudonym of, of carl uh, bohan but um, yeah, um all right my uh, my my alternative take and my and my gap in persona is that um i think to some extent even even if you think some of the shooting for randall isn't quite sustainable and i actually I, I don't think that's that's an unreasonable take just because the degree of difficulty on the shot making has been insane this year like some of the like i mean every game right he, he's he's working his way into the middle of the lane and and hitting like double pumps with with defenses draped all over him. And sometimes multiple defenders like right in his grill, right in his vicinity. And time and time again, it hasn't mattered. He's gone for a guy who career, right. And this is, this is what I would always be ranting and raving about when we signed Randall. Right. And, um, and why people would think I'm Carl is that he had one season better than 30%. And now all of a sudden he, he's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter with a lot of them being off the dribble, with with guys closing out on him. Uh, none of them, or, or very few of them, are just, just pure catch-and-shoot situations. It, it, it's reasonable to expect some regression from that, but I think a lot of it could be offset by him having better teammates. And the thing is, unless the Knicks really screw this thing up, Randall, the, the guys playing around Randall will never be as bad as they are now. If Randall's here for five more seasons, or, or at least they shouldn't be, right? You, you should have better point guard play. You should have more shooting. You should have an RJ Barrett who, who's more mature, better, a, be, a better passer, a better scorer who draws more attention and consistent respects from defenses. A, a guy who, who I, going into next season, teams will be like, we cannot double off of RJ Barrett because he, he's just going to, he's going to rain fire on us if we do. So I think Randall's life is only going to get easier. If there's some regression in terms of hitting those insane mid-range shots because this year I mean he, he's basically been like Dirk Nowitzki um or maybe maybe that's too high, but like LaMarcus Aldridge in his prime. Like he's been one of the best mid-range shooters in the entire NBA. If he's in reality a little bit worse than that, that's okay because his life is going to be easier and he's not going to have to make so many tough shots ever again for the next. That being said, I think you only do a trade um post lottery when you know exactly what pick you're getting. So it's, it's not the Golden State pick where there's, there's at this point like a, a decent chance that it ends up just going back to Minnesota because they land in the top three. You're saying, all right, third pick in the draft for Julius Randle. That's something you, you gotta think about. Like having someone like Suggs or Mobley under team control. I don't think anyone is trading Cunningham for Randle or, or even Cunningham for Randle plus like, let's just say the Knicks get the eighth pick. Um, maybe. I was going to say if Golden State got it, but Golden State can't get it. Yeah, I I just don't I don't think any team that's in the lottery would do that. If some team would, I think you you kind of have to do it because I I just think Kate Cunningham is that good. But I, I really doubt that's on the table. There's a reason why you, you rarely see those like star for high pick trades. It's because the incentives for the team's trading are usually in opposite directions. And the directions are usually the better team wants to keep the good player and the younger team wants the young guy. So I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but given the next timeline, maybe that's an avenue they pursue. I, I just don't think it's exceptionally likely, Alex.
1: Yeah. I guess that's something I should be clear about too. Like if someone comes up to me with the guaranteed third pick, I was talking more like you do a pre lottery or something. Right. Great. Day. Okay. You know, we'll trade for the, for what could end up being the, you know, uh, uh, going back to Minnesota pick and then you get Minnesota's pick next year or something like that. Like I'm not willing to sacrifice that or even, You know, Golden State's pick pre lottery. If they end up outside the playoffs and they have like like, the tenth best odds or something like that, uh, I wouldn't be down with that either. So yeah, it's it's levels of things, I guess. But uh, in general, I think I'm just I'm really high on Randall and where he's at right now. And I don't think that what we've seen this year is an aberration. I think that he is this player now um, because we've had such a huge sample size at this point. And it's just a matter of him being in a better position to succeed, having better players around him, not having David Fisdale basically being like, go out there and figure it out. Um, you know, and, and again, like we saw him starting to make these improvements under Mike Miller last year. It was just like harder to accept them because of how bad he had been with Fisdale. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at now. I, I, I don't want to give up Randall if it's for like, a 10th pick or like from like send him to a contender for like two future firsts or something, um, you know, where it's like, all right, this team is probably going to be in the playoffs for the next however many years, you know, so we're sending Randall off for what, like two mid-teens to, or like late teens to 20s picks, you know, and maybe like a young player or something so that that team can go make their run while the Knicks don't. That's that's not the type of move that I'm into. The only way I'd do it is if there was like something on the table that's legitimately like will guarantee you Evan Mobley or something for Julius Randle. And even that, you know, it's like I do think that having them under team control from a cap implication standpoint is great, but you do lose that level of like like already in place star power, which then pushes your free agency window a few more years um, and all that stuff. So it's it's a it's a tightrope I I'll just trust that Leon Rose and, and them can make the right calls when the time comes, because um, that's all we can really do at this point, right?
0: Yep, I'm I'm in total agreement, Den. uh Alex, unless unless you want to go longer, I think that that might be a good note to wrap up on. I I can't believe I just looked at the clock and we're we're somehow 53 minutes in. This has totally flown by. I think this is this is my favorite one of these that we've we've done so far. So really appreciate everyone participating, keeping the chat so lively. While we're doing this, I mean, that's that's kind of what I want this to be, like a place where people could come in and, and just dish. But, uh, yeah, that,
1: that's that's kind of my final note, Alex. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I don't really have anything else to add either unless anybody else had anything. But I think we're, we're good for today. Thank you, everyone, that came through. This is awesome. I, I'm, like, super-duper – I'll just take a quick sec before we log off. Like, I'm super-duper appreciative for everybody coming through for these and the fact that we just had, like, our biggest locker room when uh, – the Knicks have lost, what, four of their last five games? And it's, yep. it's generally been kind of a downtime uh, right now. Very happy that you guys all came through. So thank you all so much and uh, looking forward to next week, too. Yep. Thanks, guys. And that is it. Also, these are going to put this up as a podcast for this episode of Lockdown Knicks.
0: Really appreciate you all tuning in, whether in locker room or online. We hope you guys can join us next week on Locker Room. Again, this is the most people we ever had. So we definitely want to replicate it. But until next time, Gavin Shaw, Alex will peace out. We'll be back, hopefully, after a week where the Knicks have had a few more wins.